He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. And we're live. Hey, everybody. It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm the talking hairdo, Jack Heald. And we are joined today by a guy I have actually been in the same physical space with. And I can't say that about, I don't know that I've ever been physically in the same place with any of our previous guests, Phil. So Stanwick and I went and did, uh, with a bunch of other guys, went and did things that would get us in trouble. <laughs> with, <laughs> with that Mm, I think you should probably qualify that okay. just to make sure we don't get into trouble. We went and did that. Everyone involved in, the, uh, in that uh, activity was fully clothed. We, yeah. <laughs> we were all clothed. Uh, yeah, we uh, we did a uh, advanced handgun training workshop together with a bunch of other guys. Uh, was that two days or was it three days? Well, we did. Well, I, we, I, I've done a two day and a four day. I don't know which, I don't know if you were a both. Must have or been the, one. must've been the two day that we did together. So anyway, okay. but that has nothing to do with why we're here. Hey, Phil. How are we doing, Jack? Why have we got this long haired hippie on our show? Uh, you're, you're talking about Michael, right? Not yourself. <laughs> this question, right? <laughs> um, so Fair enough. yeah, this, this should be a great episode because, uh, the three of us actually, you know, kind of know each other in real life. Um, but Michael, um, has, uh, some great messaging and is doing some great work, uh, around, uh, the same shared goals as I, which is getting people healthier. And, uh, I've been fortunate to know Michael for a couple of years now and, um, his, uh, as I said, he's involved in the health and fitness space, um, has a uh, little bit of a different spin on it, a unique perspective on it. And I think that would be something great to introduce to our audience. Uh, so with that, I'm going to introduce Michael Stanwick to our audience and let him uh, tell them a little bit about himself. Hi, guys. Jeez, um, if I had known it was going to be like this, I would have prepared a speech. Um, so uh, my name is going to be, I, well, I didn't know I was just going to have to introduce myself. Um, my name you is Michael Stanley. Introduce you. I could do that. That's probably a bad idea. Probably a bad idea. Um, Michael Stanwick, I have been involved in health and fitness now for about, I mean, as a profession for about 15 years, uh, as a lifestyle since I was probably around 18 years old and now I'm 50. So you can do the math on that. Um, but so, I got in. I got involved. I got involved in CrossFit in the early days, um, back in 2006, and um, it was kind of the wild west of the new age. I think of health and fitness, and you know that was really that was really the beginning of turning. I think the health and fitness world upside down. Up until then, um, you know, bodybuilding was sort of the reigning model for how you got healthy in the gym. Low fat dieting was the model for how you ate. Um, and CrossFit came along as this little bit of an experimental um, laboratory of fitness. And through that, I got I got introduced to a whole bunch of different concepts, um, different kinds of dieting. You know, um, we were we we were probably among the first people to really adopt paleo. 
um, and then really get into keto we, and then we being the CrossFit, CrossFit. world, the CrossFit world. Um, and then, and then carnivore when that sort of, um, started to emerge. But one of the things through all of this and through my running of a CrossFit gym, um, I joined, uh, what was the, uh, officially the 11th CrossFit gym in the country. And, um, we struggled with getting our clients to eat well, you know, it was not hard. It was not hard to get them to work out. Um, that that's, that was the fun part. People love to show up at the gym. They love to throw things around. They love to be doing something different from what everybody else was doing. But when it came to eating well, um, it was kind of hard to do something different from what everybody else was doing. And so over the years, we tried different models of coaching, different models of programs. And, um, you know, just by chance, CrossFit decided to put on a little bit of a seminar on nutrition and we traveled down, we were invited down because we were a uh, an early affiliate, and we checked it out as a two-day seminar, and it was terrible. And um, me and my and my business partner, my boss at the time, Andy Petronic, were lying in our hostel. We were staying in a youth hostel in San Diego. We were like, "This is <laughs> this is ter- this is a terrible seminar, but this is a really important thing to tackle." And so we decided we were going to come up with our own thing. Like this was not going to be the answer. None of our clients were going to ever do this. It was super boring. It was super, um, you know, intellectual, and there was nothing actionable about it. So we decided we were going to come up with this seminar, this this like twelve week seminar, and we were going to do it in person with people, and we we're going to really teach them what was going on in their body, and we were going to do blood testing. I mean, this was back in like two thousand and ten. Um, getting blood testing back in two thousand and ten really took a lot of wheeling and dealing. I worked with a chiropractor who could write the script, you know, and a and a blood testing lab. We kind of cobbled it all together. Um, we did a bunch of blood testing. We did a bunch of semin. Uh, we did a bunch of seminars. We did some one on one coaching. And after 12 weeks, it was a total flop. <laughs> I mean, and that's not to say that people didn't see changes. They did. They saw huge, the people who stuck with it saw huge changes in their diet. They saw huge changes in their blood measurements. Their A1C came down, all the things they wanted to see, but people just couldn't stick with it. You know, I probably started with, you know, about 12 to 15 people at my gym and I probably ended with four, you know, and the four who stayed were like my good friends. Mm. And um, so we realized it wasn't a model that was going to work. And I had, and and both Andy and I, my partner, uh, Andy Petronic, uh, are pretty big self-improvement junkies and always have been. And we became aware of all the things that worked in the self-improvement world. Things like scoreboards were really big. Things like community were really big. Community was really big in CrossFit. And so we decided we're going to just mash all this stuff together and try something. And instead of telling people what they should do, we just said, this is what you'll lose points for. We created the whole life challenge and the whole life challenge was this really simple model. You were going to take eight weeks and every day you were going to be, you were going to start with a batch of points and you could lose them and you could lose them based on the foods you ate. You could lose them based on what you didn't do. If you didn't exercise, if you didn't stretch at the time, fish oil was all the rage. So fish oil was the, was the fourth habit at the time. Um, and it was a revolution in our gym. It completely changed the way people behaved because it kind of, it, rather than just having the spotlight on them when they were in the gym, they had the spotlight on them when they were at home, right? Because everybody, every day when they logged their score could see how well they sort of did the reps at their meals and how well um, they paid attention to what was important. And there were people who refused to lose points until I lost points and I wasn't going to lose a point. And so um, after- that's 
Really interesting. Yeah, I had I had clients who were like, "When are you going to lose a point so I can lose a point, please?" Um, and you know, after eight weeks, I mean, we had people who achieved results they had never thought possible. I mean, people who lost thirty inches off their body. You know, total we met we were measuring hips and waist and thighs and arms. We in had people who eight weeks in eight weeks. We had the people who had buy entirely new wardrobes. We had people bringing in their clothes that no longer fit, and we were hanging them from the ceiling of the gym. And at the end of the challenge, we just donated them all to charity. And you know, what ended up happening was rather than being this being this kind of nanny position of being like, you should do this, you should do that. Let me read your food diary. Let me point out to you what you already know you did wrong. I just said, I don't care. I don't care what you do. It is totally up to you. You're a grown ass adult. You can do whatever you want to do. But in this game, these are the things that are going to cost you points. And if you know CrossFitters, points are very important. Um, And so it really changed the way they addressed things. Every time they made a choice, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to have to talk to Michael about this in a week. And he's going to, he's going to absolve me and he's going to give me penance and I'm going to be fine for the next week. It was like, no, if I do this, I have to tell everybody I did it. Everybody's going to know. Um, the other bonus to this was like, it helped people. So it helped this people. peer pressure thing happening. You have, you had, you had, so the community, the peer pressure, but also it, it gave people a sense of these things have consequences and mostly with your diet. It might take five years. It might take 10 yeah. years. It might take 20 years before you see the real consequences. But this gave you a consequence today, right? And so people started to behave totally oh, nice. different. Yeah. And so we kind of, we thought, we thought, yay, that was a cool thing. Let's do it again next year. Okay, it's bye. It's more than feedback. It's immediate consequences. Right. It's immediate It's immediate consequences. You know what, Michael? I, I realize I'm not telling you anything you don't know because you have children. But, but. That's effective parenting is there are immediate consequences for behavior. And I, I tell young parents, your job as a parent is to design consequences. That's that's almost job one. Well, I and, think as consequences go, you know, they say most people in this country don't read above a third grade level. I think many people don't understand the concept of consequences above a third grade level, wow. right? It has to be immediate. It has to be right now. Like with my four-year-old, consequences have to happen immediately. And they have to be short-term. Like if I take a toy away, he has to get it back tonight or tomorrow. Otherwise, he forgets it existed, right? So this feedback loop has to be very short. Yeah, like three weeks from now, he'll look and be like, why is my truck on top of the refrigerator? And he doesn't remember the whole whole incident. But if you make that feedback loop super short, you know, people start to change their behavior very, very rapidly. I, we could, we literally could stop right now. Yeah. You have just heard everything you need to hear (laughs) about how to make effective and fairly quick changes in your life. Well, yeah. So we built a platform. I don't want to, I don't want to drive you off the rails, but (laughs) I I don't know that I've ever heard it said more succinctly. It's just. and that's why we built, so we built this platform, right? When we first did it, we didn't really have much of a platform. We, our clients, we had clients who are programmers like, yeah, we can do a scoreboard and a, and a point system. And I, I linked it to a blog and I, you know, we linked it to a forum. So people, we had an effective website. Right. Um, we did it again the next year and we're like, Hey, you know, it will be cool. Let people invite their friends and their family, not just gym members. Right. Mm. And so people brought their husbands, their wives, their cousins, their whatever. And we had the, and, and they, and they came to us and they said, my brother who lives in Poughkeepsie. We were in Los Angeles. He 
he, who we've never met, who have never talked to, I've never seen, I've, I'll never know. He got the results that he's been looking for for 10 years by doing this. And so we were like, this is interesting. Maybe we should try and like make this bigger than the gym, you know? Um, and so we built yet another website. And a year later, we launched it and we we allowed a select group of CrossFit gyms to register. And it was just immediate, 150 gyms, 8,000 people. They all wanted something. They'd heard about it. They heard the results. They all wanted something like this. And from then on, Andy and I were like, Okay, we should the, we should reconsider what we're doing with our lives, right? Not that not that running across a gym was was bad or unsatisfactory, but we were immediately having an effect on thousands of people that will again we never meet and we'd never know, and we were sort of outsourcing it. We were replicating ourselves among their coaches. We were giving them the language to say to their people. We were letting we were facilitating this kind of experience all over the country and really actually all over the world because at this point, except for Antarctica. The whole life challenge has been done on every continent. And maybe it's been done in Antarctica. I don't know. Um, so if you're listening to this and you live in Antarctica and have done the whole life challenge, please contact Michael. So check. <laughs> I, would love, say, continent continent I would love to say, I would love to say all, all contents. If you want to plant the flag, you can just go there for eight weeks and do the challenge from there. there. You go. I, I, I have a friend. I have a friend who actually just vacationed in Antarctica, which is really strange. I never even knew you could do that, but she just went and spent a couple of weeks in Antarctica. But yeah, so, and so from and from there, we just we just kept rolling. We did it once a year, and then we did it twice a year, and then we did it three times a year, and then we had to, and then we shortened it because eight weeks turned out to be a really long time. Everybody lost steam around six weeks, so we're like, okay, how do we have more people succeed at this? Let's just make it six weeks. As people are getting the results, it's diminishing returns. I want people to feel successful. I want them to finish. We shortened it to six weeks, and now we do it four times a year. So it's six weeks on, six weeks off, and we have had people who since we started have done the challenge 25, 30 times. They just keep coming back and doing it every six weeks. Like it's a tune-up, like it's a practice. Like it's because, because if you think about it, it's not, you're not doing something you don't want to be doing. You're doing something you want to be doing. I want to be paying attention to the food that I put in my mouth. I want to make sure I'm accountable for working out, for, for stretching, for getting a good night's sleep. I mean, we were among, I think the first people I was aware of to incorporate, to say, all of it matters. Your sleep matters. Your well-being matters. Meditation matters. Practice matters. Rest matters. All of this stuff is, it's not just diet and exercise. It's being very intentional about listening to your body, what it needs, what your mental health is. Your mental health is going to contribute to your physical health. Your physical health is going to contribute to your mental health and to incorporate all of this into, into the game. And we really made it a game. We built a website that rewards you. It gives you badges. It gives you, you know, you can have streaks when you play, you can win bonuses. And that I think was the really, was the really interesting thing. We started to give people bonuses. We're like, if you are consistent in the nutrition category, give you a bonus and you can use it. If you want to go out on the weekend and have a glass of wine, go to somebody's birthday party and celebrate with them, it's not going to cost you because you have, in a sense, you have maintained that kind of at least 80, 20 uh, approach, 85, 15 things, and you can use it. And it doesn't so cost you. It's carbon it does, it credits. It, does, it doesn't cost. Yeah. It doesn't cost you. It's not, it doesn't, it's not, it's not counted against you because we're very realistic about what people's long-term um, kind of view of their life is going to be. I'm not going to be 100%. I mean, there are going to be people who are going to be 100% carnivore forever. You know, uh, they're few and far between. Yeah. You know? um, but some people want to, they want to do it. Um, they want to be 80 20. They want to be 90 10, something like that. And they want to have a sense of 
when I am actually living in what people call moderation, right? Because everyone just says moderation. And what they usually mean is I get to drink whenever I want, right? And what moderation <laughs> really comes down to is like having a sense of where your edges are and knowing what that middle path is, knowing what throws you off. Mm. And that's what the whole life challenge is all about. It's about paying close attention for six weeks to what does you good, you know, what improves your life, what you can sustain. Because most people, right. you know, the funny thing was when we started, we had a very close contact with our clients who were doing the challenge. And there were people who insisted on being perfect, right? They did a hard CrossFit workout seven days a week. And we're like, no, 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 that's not the point. The point is you're active seven days a week, right? So you can take a day off, but just make sure you get outside and take a walk or, or ride your bike to the beach or something like that. You know, don't, you don't have to be, you don't have to turn it up to 11, seven days a week. You want to pay attention to what your body needs, but you also want to understand that your body needs to move. And so, you know, so you get to design, this is what exercise is for me today. And if I do that, check, you know, this is what sleep, you know, when we introduced sleep, we finally said, how do we do sleep? Because no, not everybody can get eight hours of sleep a night, right? If they're night shift people, if they only get six hours, we just said, okay, what would be an improvement for you? Six and a half, six hours and 20? You commit to that improvement, and if you do that, check, you're done, right? So this is really a program of taking incremental steps towards an end goal. If you did the whole life challenge for a year and took incremental steps every time you did it, you would end up somewhere sort of unrecognizable to you, but something that you would ultimately be able to sustain. It would be your life. It wouldn't be the sort of, what do you do on day 76 of 75 hard? right? You have burned yourself out after two yeah. and a half months um, and you can't do it all. And you don't know which parts to do and which parts not to do and what it's okay. You know, it's just, it's a mess. So we're all about that incremental movement towards an ultimate goal. And for some people, it takes a year, some people, it takes two years, but all, all along the path, you know, you're becoming a different person. So let's, um, uh, let's kind of tie that back. I want to go back to sort of the Genesis story here. You know, you have a bunch of people, you know, doing CrossFit and anyone who has ever walked into a CrossFit gym know that, you know, it's not something you do by accident. And it's really, you know, pushing the limits of what most people would consider, you know, like a normal activity to do. Uh, there are some crazy things that, you know, go on in CrossFit gyms. And yet, you had a bunch of these people doing these crazy activities, you know, doing extreme levels of activity, and they weren't successful in, you know, in other parts of their life. They weren't, you know, eating well, uh, essentially, or they weren't paying attention to their diet. What was going on there? You know, was it the, was it that they kind of figured? That you know, I'm doing this crazy activity, so I can pretty much eat whatever I want. That's probably that's probably part of it. I mean, the reality is they're just they're still people, right? They're still human beings, um, and I think as human beings, that that's probably something to the effect of, I I am doing all of this really hard work five six days a week, so that means I can afford to do all this other stuff. But there was you know, there was no kind of let's say intentionality about it, right? No, you can't go out every weekend and have 12 drinks, right? No amount of CrossFit is going to balance out all, because that alcohol is not just calories. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a nuclear bomb to your system. So I think there was a lot of, I've earned this, you know, this is, this is why I do this. Um, 
but I think most of it is just consistency, right? And I, this is something that I did discover when I was working with people on their food journals. Um, I, I remember one time I was I was working with this woman, and she would bring me her food journal, and we'd go through it, and and by and large she was on track, right? Her meals were good. What she was mix, making for herself was was the right thing. But then she'd be like, you know, be like a bite of a cookie. You know, oh, I made cookies for my kids after school, and I and I had I had some, and then it'd be like a handful of M and M's. Oh, I was at the you know whatever this office, and I just grabbed this. And there were so many little areas where I was like, you know what, you might as well just have a dessert a day, mm. right? You might, because when you add all this stuff up, all of this stuff that you're writing off as just a bite, just a nibble, just a little bit here and there, actually adds up to quite a bit. And the problem is you're not aware of it, right? Because you know, because it's so small, you're not aware that it's actually adding up to anything. And most of the time when people don't keep food journals, they even forget that they did those things. Yeah. So the consistency element is what really got introduced. Like people started to reach for something and then they would, is this worth a point? And that sort of actually became a little bit mantra. Would I give up a point for this? Would I trade a point for this? And that's something that is like a um, sort of a, a, a heuristic or a little model that people would use for themselves after the challenge was over. They'd be like, they would, would I, would, would I trade a point for this? Would this be worth it? Would this be worth be, a point? Right. Or is it just, is it just sort of, is just, just an impulse because nobody's as consistent as they think they are. Nobody's <laughs> as aware as they think they are. Nobody has the willpower that they think they do. Um, and a lot of people are really capable of bullshitting themselves, quite honestly, right? Like even if even if they're very regimented and they, you know, they they cook all of their meals on Sunday and they box them up for themselves and they kind of eat through that all week long, they still can go out and do things that they just don't even allow themselves to remember that they did, right? Because they justified it at the time. They said, I do all this, so I'm gonna do that. And when somebody asks them if they ever eat crap, eat like crap or eat shitty food. They just say no. Mm. Right? They, they just, because in their mind, they, they do well enough where they don't have to pay attention to the times they don't eat. They, they, they eat shitty right. food. And, and I want to be really clear. I'm perfectly okay with shitty food, right? Like I, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a dessert junkie. Um, but you know, a practice like this, and I've been doing this now for 10, over 10 years has made me much more conscientious about it. I mean, I've been known to eat all of the dessert at a wedding. And when I say all the dessert, I mean everybody else's. <laughs> I, I was at a I was at a wedding one year and they were serving churros as the dessert. Ugh. And everyone had a little churro and they went to the dance and they made a bunch of churros and they put them all in cups all over the room. And I thought I was like, nobody's here. And I, I ate all the churros in the room. And everybody came back and they were like, where are the churros? And I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I ate all the churros. And, <laughs> And that was, you know, and I, but I, you know, and I wouldn't do that today. You know, the, the, the practice has actually led me to really simple. The narrator says, Michael was never invited to a wedding. <laughs> I, you know, one of the examples I give, so I work with a couple of people, um, you know, in small, small group setting out of the whole life challenge. And one of the stories I like to tell them is, and, be, and because I think this is so important, this is everyday shit. Every day, you, you, every time you go to the supermarket, you walk through that checkout line and what's right there is just, is candy. Right. It's the last thing you see. And I, you know, I used to walk through. And one of my favorite things in the world was a Snickers bar. I'd walk through and I'd be like, yeah, Snickers bar. I want one. Buy it, eat it. And then a little later, I was like, eh, 
you know, I think about it. I go, okay, what's the week been like? Can I have a Snickers bar? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Okay, Snickers bar. And I buy it and I eat it. And then I got to the point where I'd look at the Snickers bar and I don't, I don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. And I just, and I can't remember the last time I bought a Snickers bar. This I, I got to tell you, this is so helpful to have somebody who's basically been fit his whole life based on your story. Maybe you're lying. I don't know. But to have somebody who's basically been fit his whole life talk about this progression. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a struggle for everybody. Like I said, we're all human beings. I was another, another individual I was working with. I write a weekly email and I, and I wrote something about one of this, one of the struggles I have with being consistent with workouts, especially when it gets colder outside. And we were speaking at one of his, his, we're talking at one of his one-on-one sessions. And he said that, that email, he goes, I don't know if you were channeling me, but like (laughs) really spoke to me. I said, bro, I wasn't channeling you. I'm exactly like you. Yeah. I just have more practice. This is just something that I've been doing for longer than you. And, you know, and as, and as, and again, as I walk by that Snickers bar, I see it, I know how much I like it, but it just doesn't have any power over me anymore. I can walk away and there's no regret. And I don't think about, ah, I should have had it. I just have this one. It's just, it's over. It's over. Um, and so I think, I think the whole life challenge is really built around this idea that you can't just have all of this tomorrow. You Many people have spent 20 or 30 years building the crappy lifestyle that they have today. They're not going to undo it in six weeks. Yeah. They, may, they may make a significant dent in it in a year, but if you try and undo it in six weeks, if you try and change everything about your life in six weeks, it's going to be so far from your baseline. It's going to be really hard, if not impossible, for you to maintain for a long period of time. I think it's really important for people to understand that this is a process and it takes time and it's taken. And, 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 you know, I'm not, yes, I have been, you know, a, a healthy and fit person since I was a teenager. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I, that's when I started working out. And that's when I started paying attention to my nutrition. And I have now for 30 years. Um, but, uh, but that means I have 30 years of practice. That means I have, you know, 30 years of experimenting, knowing what works for me, knowing what doesn't work for me. It doesn't mean that you should look at me and go, well, look at you. You've, you've always been fit. So it's not hard for you. <laughs> you know, there we go. Yeah. The, the, it's not hard for you excuse. I love that. But it it is, but it is, it, it is. I have, I, I struggle with the same kind of breakdowns around not wanting to go to the gym, wanting to just eat a shitty meal. You know, I, I cook dinner for my family every night. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I just wish I could just throw a pot of spaghetti on and pour on a jar of ragu, you know, because making making a good meal, I mean, it doesn't have to take forever, but I'm in the kitchen for 30, 45 minutes or an hour to put a good meal on the table. Um, I sometimes I just want to go get pizza and a burger. Just call Papa John's. And you know what? I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I do, but it's so infrequent. Like, you know, maybe I we maybe we order pizza three times a year. And the thing I'm most proud of is that that's how my kids are growing up. They don't grow up with the idea that pizza is a meal. You know, yeah. if if I give my kids anything besides meat and vegetables, you know, and maybe rice, potatoes, fruit. They just, they go, this is, I mean, my, my son has gotten to the point where he says, this is crap food. How old is he? He's four. Oh, I love it. He's four. I mean, he knows the things that his kid, that his friends bring to school for lunch, 
are is crap food is not real food and that and that to me is the most exciting result of all of this is my is like the concept of my kids have of, of that food that real food is real food oh you know i say this a lot phil but god this is my favorite this is my favorite interview yeah (laughs) this is your favorite one this week there's but yeah so much no, they just keep getting better and better and i think all these ideas uh you know feed into each other and you know let's let's talk a little bit more about because you mentioned you know some of the areas uh that that uh you know are scored let's say or tracked in the uh challenge you know your activity and yeah. your food and your sleep uh but what are, what are some of the other areas that you look so at? what we because so we yeah, this so is we have a unique thing about the challenge. Right. So it's called we call them the seven daily habits. And as far as I'm concerned, it aside from esoteric stuff that people like to get into, it really covers every bucket, right? So we have nutrition, exercise, mobility, sleep, hydration, well-being, and reflection. And so, you know. When when we talk about nutrition, we don't have a hard prescription. We have three recommended kind of levels for nutrition. We call one performance, basically paleo. One is lifestyle, which is which is just a little bit more. I, I don't want to call it Mediterranean because it's not specifically Mediterranean, but it has a lot of the elements that people might recognize from Mediterranean. We, you know, people can have grains and um, you know, they can have they can have cheese and they can have, you know, they can have milk and stuff like that. Um, and then we have what's called uh kickstart. And that's just like, don't eat seed oils, don't eat sugar, don't eat processed food, stop drinking and stop drinking alcohol or beer, you know, um, and don't eat fried food. Like it's very, it's very basic. It's trying to help people who are, who are not nowhere close to being able to adopt something like a paleo lifestyle. But if you have a diet that you want to be held accountable for, that's what you can use. Right. This is about facilitating something for you. We we provide these levels for people who just don't know where to start and they don't have a model for themselves. But if you have your own, you bring it. This is about accountability. And then exercise, you are required to exercise for at least 10 minutes a day. Now, the genesis of that was we wanted you to exercise every day. And if you didn't exercise, we wanted you to at least do some active recovery for at least 10 minutes a day. Right. So that, if that meant doing a little bit of yoga, riding your bike, going for a walk or something like that. Uh, most, most people by and large, don't just say, okay, I exercise 10 minutes. I'm good to go. But what it allows for is for people to make space, even when they don't have it. Right. So if today is super busy and I know I'm not going to get to the gym, I don't write it off because if I just stand up at my desk and for 10 minutes, I do some squats, I do some pushups, I do whatever. Or if I go out for a walk for 10 minutes, I can say, I made the space in my life for exercise today. You know, and I get to, you know, and I get to maintain the consistency and I get to keep that as a sort of an awareness in my life. And then you have mobility, which is, you know, you probably know at this point is more than just stretching, you know, it's the health of your joints, it's strength through range of motion, but a practice of mobility, 10 minutes every day. Um, sleep, which is a kind of, like I said, it's kind of a choose your own adventure. How much sleep do you want to get? How much sleep would be an improvement over, over what you're getting now? Give yourself something to to stretch for, but make it something that you can probably get every night of the challenge, right? Like, because most people's most people have a have a practice around sleep, which involves like BSing around bedtime, 
right? Like a little bit of scrolling, a little bit of this, watching one episode too many on TV. Most people struggle is not that they're shift workers or that they have kids or something like that. Yeah. Um, so if you can make an extra 20 minutes work for bedtime, do that because I want you to be successful every night. Um, then we have a hydration requirement. <laughs> um, and hydration is tough because we all know like the whole eight glasses a day of water is kind of a is kind of a BS sort of model for hydration, but we do want to give people the practice of paying attention to when they're thirsty. So we just say, take your body weight, take a third of that, right? So I'm 180, 60, 60 ounces is, is my minimum requirement. It's not that much water. It's not, it's not going to be, it's not going to be too much water for people that, you know, where, where they're going to be up all night pissing, but, um, unless you forget about it and drink it right before bed, but it is going to give people the idea that maybe you should just have water instead of soda. You know, maybe you should have a glass of water with your meal um, or something like that. And so that's hydration. And then well-being practices. And well-being practices is kind of a, a spectrum. We have well-being. So if again, if somebody has a practice for their personal well-being, whether it's journaling or meditation or something like that, bring that to the challenge. That can be what you're held. I want to do that. Make sure I do that every day. So you can be held accountable for that every day. If you don't, we introduce a new well-being practice every week. And if you like it, the first one, you can keep it the whole challenge. If you don't, if you want to just experience all six, you can do a new one every week. And they range everything from sort of like the inner work, which might be meditation or journaling. Um, there are things, there are practices that encourage you to connect with the members of your community. There are practices that are just about cleaning up your environment, whether it's your mental environment, your physical environment. Um, we have definitely have practices around electronics um, and social media. So you might have a week of disconnecting from social media, but you might just have a week of like what we call, well, what we actually will start the New Year's challenge with is just the digital sundown, right? Like two hours, three hours before bed, you're off your phone. You don't turn it on until 7.30 in the morning. So we're not saying you can't be on social media. We're not saying we hate social media. We're not saying we think your phone is all evil, but we want to give you the ability to draw boundary lines. And so we introduce these practices to you every week and allow people to experiment with these different practices week by week. And then the final practice is reflection because we want to give people, and, and reflection actually came from one of our participants. After the second challenge we did where we let people bring their friends in, I was talking to the friend of a friend. We didn't have reflection yet. And he said, I just love that each day I get to sit down and reflect on how well my day went. And I was like, that's a really good point. And it's not just I reflect by checking off boxes. It's like I actually get to have a conversation with myself about how well it went for me. Like, did I, did I do everything I wanted to do? Did I kind of cut corners a little bit? And so we added the habit of reflection, which is just a moment. It's like 25 mm. characters minimum. And you just get to say something about how your day went. Did you do what you said you were going to do? Did you want to do more? What's your plan for tomorrow? Celebrate your successes, you know, anything that you want to do. But we make constant reflection a part of like just tying the day, you know, cl closing the day off. You did the habits, you said something about it, you put it to bed, you start fresh tomorrow. And that's, those are the seven daily habits of the whole life challenge. Tell us some of your favorite success stories. I mean, I mean, losing 30 inches in eight weeks is pretty astonishing, but yeah, there's, there's so I, we, we have, I have a story that, that happened very early on. We had a, uh, we had a supporter, um, very early on in the challenge. He was a local guy. Um, and he had been a, a personal training client of Andy's my, you know, again, my, my, my ex boss, my 
business part, current business partner. Um, and he's kind of a he's kind of a big old you know muckety muck now. He had a small company back then, but he's gone on to work for Beats by by Dre and and Apple, and now he works. I think he works for uh, Louis Vuitton. Now he lives in Paris, but um, he was a big fitness guy. This you know, but he loved the model of the whole life challenge, and he invited his his daughter at the time. I can't remember if she was in high school or college. She might have been in college, so she was away to do it with him. And I guess they had had some just they just had some trouble connecting since she moved away or since she'd become an adult. And they did the whole life challenge together. And it changed it completely changed the way they connected. And he contacted us afterwards. And he says, I like I got my daughter. I have my daughter now in a way that I never did before because we got to do something together that was so important and so positive. We got to support each other and we got to change our lives for the better together. And now our relationship is entirely different. And then he got his father to do it. Wow. Um, and after that challenge, he was like, guys, you guys added five years to my dad's life. Right. And so through the course of inviting his family members to do the challenge with him, he got an entirely new family. Right. He had a new relationship with his daughter. He had his father for more time than he was ever going to, than he ever thought he was going to have him. And this is what I think the most important thing about the community aspect of the whole life challenge really is. Is, you know, how often do people say, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to change my life. And yet the people around them are not. Right. And so they all go out together. And this person's trying to like, they're, they're trying to order something healthy on the menu. And everyone's kind of giving them a hard time, be like, come on, bro, just have this, just have that. Um, this allows you to like to create community around this. And so not only do you do you like, you know, um, recruit people who want to have the same kind of success you do, and therefore you're in the same boat and, and you're you're finding ways to socialize in new ways during the challenge, but when it's over, right? You're not just like walking back into this group of people who haven't changed. You're walking on along, you know, further along with a group of people who have changed just like you. We had a group of young guys, four, four friends, just dudes, right? Like 20 something dudes, drinkers, pizza eaters, everything. Right. And, um, they did the challenge together and they started to reshape what they did socially on Friday nights. They no longer got pizza together. They did something else because pizza wasn't compliant on the challenge. They started to open up their eyes to new possibilities for young men in their lives. And when they were done, they, the four of them had like collectively lost like 140 pounds or something like that. We made a joke that it was as though they had lost a team member over the course of the challenge because that was like the size of one of them. We lost an entire person. We lost an entire person. So like my favorite stories have to do with not just that people lost weight. It's that like how they did it and how they learned to address this kind of this important issue in their life changed the way they lived their life. There was a woman who wrote me an email. I remember this is the first time I think I was really affected and I couldn't have said why at the, in the moment she wrote me an email and she said, I get up and this is so Jordan Peterson. She said, <laughs> I get up every day and I make my bed now. And what that said to me was I don't wake up hating my life anymore. I wake up with positive energy. I wake up like what I'm going to do today is going to make a difference. I wake up and I change my, I like, I, I act in my environment at the moment I open my eyes. And so those, I mean, of course I, I love hearing stories from people. Like I started this, this challenge on five medications and now I'm on one. And, you know, my favorite stories are like, 
my doctor says, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And I'm like, do you want to know? Do you want to know what they're doing? Like, cause I'm happy to tell you, like it's so often just like, I, I don't know what it is. Don't tell me. I don't have time for it, but you keep doing it. Um, so I do like uh, just the new lease on life that people experience when they go through these kinds of transformations. Bill, can I, can I put you on the spot a little bit? Sure. Um, as someone who dealt with all of the challenges, not just physical, but mental, social, psychological involved in being obese and has put that behind you, I'd love to hear you reflect on those, the areas that aren't physical, how your life has changed as a result of getting that under control. Yeah. You know, in light of what Michael just, this, all of this that he just described. Right. And this is, you know, I think maybe, you know, those end up being the more important part of this journey, uh, you know, and, and whether doing it, you know, through the challenge or just, you know, the way that I talk to uh, my patients and my clients these days is, you know, it, it, it really, if that part of it doesn't take hold, uh, the rest of it isn't going to matter, you know, because you're not going to stick to the diet, you're not going to continue the exercise, uh, you know, you're not going to keep optimizing your sleep or, or any of that. If, you know, you don't have the mindset right. And, uh, you know, this is why, you know, it's, um, you know, when I look at the sort of uh, the areas of the challenge, and I look at the principles of metabolic health that I lay out in the book, and we see, you know, how those all overlap. uh, And, you know, the, the concept that I talk about of, you know, thinking of your health as a system, not as a goal. And, and this is exactly it. You know, you're developing that system for health. It's really not about the six weeks that you're doing the challenge. It's about, you know, what is that setting you up for, uh, for the rest of your life? And, and you know, for me personally, um, it, it's exactly that. You know, I, I realize, you know, that I never identified as a healthy person. You know, it wasn't important to me to be a healthy person. Uh, when I was unhealthy, you know, I was, I, I was a heart surgeon, and I was helping other people and, and this and that, but I wasn't identifying myself as a healthy person. And now I do, you know, it is part of my identity. And uh, that's why, you know, seven years later, on my journey, I'm still here. Uh, and I'm still doing the things, you know, and I, like I said, it maybe whether it's the diet you want to talk about, the activity, you know, the stress management, the sleep, all of these areas, they all start with you identifying that as an important part of your life. And, and you know, what Michael said about uh, the lady who, you know, said, I get up every morning and I make my bed. Uh, you know, why is that important? You know, it, does making your bed make you healthier? No, of course not. It doesn't. Uh, but what that means to yourself that you're paying attention to your life to the point that you make sure you make your bed every morning is a, very much relates to your health. Uh, well, and you, the fact that, yeah, and the fact that she need, she knew it, right? Because that's what she told me, right? That's the one thing that she told me was I make my bed every day. So like she obviously was aware that that was a very important like 
benchmark. Like it was a bellwether of like something, something important is happening in my life. I'm taking care of myself in ways that I wasn't before. And I think while, while you and I, we have very, we have, we have the same goal, metabolic health, right? And it's always, it's interesting because you, you have, you have an approach to it. That's, uh, I think as, as an, as a doctor, it's, it's very appropriate, right? The blood measurements are very important and, and the markers of metabolic health are very important. And we actually, for a period of time, we had all of that in our system, right? You could track all of these blood measurements. You could track your weight. You could track, you know, right now we do give people the ability to track some measurements, your weight or your body fat percentage or some girth measurements and a workout. But we added all this, these tiers of, 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 of analysis that you could do with all the blood testing. And the reality is it was overwhelming for people to do on their own. Um, most people didn't do it. And I think what we realize is just, we have a different role to play. And it's not that those numbers aren't important, but what you'll hear people talk about um, when it comes to their experience with the challenge is it's it's in the area, like you said, with mindset, but it has so much to do with, I have more compassion for myself now, right? Because developing compassion for yourself means like, I know that I'm going to stumble sometimes. I know that I'm going to let myself down. I know that I'm not going to meet my expectations, but I also know that I'm a human being. And I deserve to have compassion for myself. And so when people can learn that, you know, they can they can take this journey and not worry so much about what happens if next month doesn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. I just, I have compassion for myself. And that, you know, I remember a woman I saw on Twitter once and she she had this just fantastic transformation, right? Like she went from very overweight to this, just this really healthy, vibrant, bright woman. And she had made this comment about who knew that self-loathing could lead to self-love, you know? And, and, and she mm-hmm. talked about how she, how she bullied herself into, into, uh, into her, her current state. And like, and so I, I came back on her. I said, just wanted to challenge her. I said, look, here's the thing. You didn't loathe yourself. You just weren't willing to admit that you loved yourself, but you did because you wouldn't have been able to do this for somebody you didn't love. You just wouldn't have been able to do it if you didn't think you deserved it. And so so I think, I think the sooner people like get in touch with that, that love for themselves, the compassion for themselves, that, that they're worth doing the work for. They have an entirely new outlook and they're willing to, they're, they're willing to have patience, you know, and they're willing to, to take the time that it takes. We are well past the point in this conversation where people want to know, what do I do next? <laughs> you've, you've, uh, and so, I'm not saying we got to stop talking, but there are people listening right now what go, okay, what do I do? How do I, what's the next step? So give us that. So, you know, we, like I said, we do a challenge four times a year. We do have one for the New Year's. The magic thing about it is it doesn't start until January 21st, right? We don't start January 1st because <laughs> right? people just aren't ready yet. Um, plus, we like three weeks into the New Year's because then people start to go, like, oh, I think I need a little help with this, right? I think I need a little help back up on, on, this, on this resolution that I made. Um, we're at wholelifechallenge.com. If you go to wholelifechallenge.com, you can sign up to... Um, to, to play with us in our new year's challenge. It's six weeks. But if you sign up now, you can actually explore the platform. You can start, you can start with the accountability today if you wanted to, right? You can access, we have a, we just, the challenge is live between plat between, I'm sorry, the platform is live between challenges. So we do have annual subscribers 
right? And between challenges, they're free to continue to use the platform, hold themselves accountable for the habits that they want to be accountable for during the challenge, all right? Because we call the challenge the whole life challenge. So it is six weeks of addressing your whole life. Between the challenge, you might say, look, I've, I've kind of got sleep down. I don't really need to to you know to drive that one home every day, but I still do struggle with my nutrition and this well-being practice. I'm going to hold myself accountable for that year round and they can continue coming in. Um, we've just actually launched a new part of the platform um, called groups. So we used to have what we call teams. You started the challenge, you came in with your team, you did it with the challenge. And when the challenge was over, that team just disappeared. And if you wanted to do it again, you came back in and you've been, you brought those people back together again. Well, we realized how impractical that was for people who were doing the challenge over and over again and for people who were in there between challenges. And so we expanded it to groups so people can have this more social experience between challenges. The groups will exist when the challenge isn't going on. Um, if you form one of your family and friends, it will be here when you come back in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. Um, but the uh, the platform is really, is really there for you uh, year round now. I'm I'm sharing for those of you who are who are listening. You're not seeing this, but I just did a quick share of the homepage of the Whole Life Challenge. Um, cool. Yeah. You know, so that's you, us. you answered a question that that came to mind. I've got this group of guys I get together with uh, every week, and I would love to have. I mean, there's sometimes there's ten, sometimes there's twelve, sometimes there's sixteen of us. But I would love. To have a thing that we could all do for six straight weeks together, and I'm I'm going to pitch it to them. I'm going to say, yeah, hey. and you you get your own little you start your own little private group. Nobody else is in it, right? You can be in there. You get your own private communication feed. You'll you'll see what your buddies are saying in their reflections, right? So they make their reflection and it posts the communication feed, so you you know how the challenge is going for them. Um, and if you do the challenge and you don't have anybody who wants to do it with you. There are always groups of people who are like, this group is for everyone, right? Like, and there's yeah. groups that are like 50 and over. That's what this group is about. We we have a couple of people who have been leading um, groups in the challenge, I mean, for years. So they're very experienced in helping people who have never done it before get the support that they need if they're there alone. Um, so, you know, you can get in there and find those public groups and um, and get the support that you want from just a really fantastic group of people who are up to the same thing you are, even if you just can't either get people to do it with you, or if you're just not quite ready to invite people to do it yet, yeah. right? Because that is a, that can be a very challenging thing for someone is to say, "I want I'm gonna I'm gonna ask somebody to do this with me." What often happens is they do it, everything changes, and somebody says to them, "What the hell did you do?" And they say, I did this thing called the whole life challenge. They say, can I do it? And they say, do it with me next time. And then that's sort of how that's, that's sort of how the, you, your success is on sort of a natural invitation. Um, so if you don't know how to make that invitation now, do it by yourself. There's plenty of people in the platform who are willing to support you and give you everything that you need. You know, we provide tons uh, of resources. I do videos every day of the challenge. Um, to set the context for people. We have meal plans. We have exercise plans if you need them. We have tons of articles. I mean, so we really, really give you everything that you might need to change how you approach these things, to change how you see them, to set your mindset differently. What have you uh, noticed, I guess, or the predictors of success uh, longer term, you know, beyond the six weeks? Um, what do you find that people do or don't do 
during the six weeks that then really predicts, you know, how they're going to do long term. So there's there's two things that I think really lend to success. One is doing with other people, right? Like doing this by yourself does not have the same impact as doing this with other people. And I think a lot of people think, oh, yeah, it's just the things. I'm just going to do the things for six weeks. But it's that engagement with other people, especially if they are people you care about, right? Like I said, you can do it in the platform with people who will support you. But if you are doing this challenge with people who you care about and you're close to, right, your family, your coworkers, people like that, it will change the environment when the challenge is over. And it will just, it'll, it just allows the continuation of the practice. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect when the challenge is over, but we, you know, we had, we do corporate wellness and we've seen offices completely change their break room, right? The junk goes and what the office now provides their employees is healthier food. So you, so doing it with a group of people who is sort of in your immediate environment and matters to you, that is the number one predictor of success. Mm. Um, I would say the the other predictor of success is to not try and make this about being perfect, right? Like, and and what I, you know, I, I try and tell people you don't have to be perfect to be perfect, right? And what I mean is I want you to get a perfect score every day, right? Like I want you to be able to check off those things every day, but I also want you to be willing to sort of be flexible every day so that if... If, you know, an hour-long CrossFit workout is not in the cards for you today, you do something that's appropriate for you today. Like if you're exhausted, if you didn't sleep, I don't want you to go to the, I'd rather you sleep than go to the gym. So if you're going to wait, if you're going to, if you're going to forego the gym today for sleep, I want you to find 10 minutes after dinner to go for a walk, right? So I want you to get that perfect score and realize you do not have to be perfect to be perfect. Hmm. Um, and, and so the, the trick really is in that I have, I've had people do the challenge three, four, five times before that finally clicked, right? The challenge would exhaust them. And I'm like, guys, this is not the point. The point is not to exhaust yourself doing the challenge. The point is you come out better than when you started. Um, and it would take them finally four or five challenges where they go, I got to do this differently. And I said, you think you think? <laughs> And so taking the habits seriously and seriously enough so that you learn to be flexible inside of them, I think is really what is going to make you the most successful because what you want ultimately out of this is to build those habits. Did I pay attention to my body today? Did I eat the things today that are going to do more harm than good? Am I, am I setting myself up to get a good night's sleep? Do I have a practice that helps me relieve stress? And some days it might just be like, I close my eyes for two minutes at my desk and I breathe, right? It doesn't have to be a 20 minute meditation if that's not in the cards, right? So you don't have to be perfect to be perfect. I would love to do a follow-up interview where we talk about uh, Michael Stanwick, the psychology, what, what happens inside your mind inside your thoughts inside your heart over your lifetime um that have brought that's brought you here because i hear a lot of you know most of what we hear on this show and and this is not a criticism at all because it's our show i love it um but most of what we hear is knowledge knowledge that people lack that people need mm -hmm. but but what i'm hearing here is something far more valuable. I'm hearing wisdom and I know wisdom comes at a great price, a much higher price than knowledge comes at. So 
I commend you, man. I I appreciate that. I mean, like I said, you know, it's it's been a it's been a long journey. You know, I have a I have a <laughs> I have a, a sort of a bit of a storied background. Um, you know, my life, like I said, it's, it's been a lot of personal development in different areas. I got, I, you know, I did a program on spiritual psychology. Uh, I've done a lot of just very strict personal development work. I have a degree in philosophy. I was a, I was a trained chef. Um, I was an, I was an actor, um, for a period of time. I, uh, I was a provider to, uh, medical dispensaries of, <laughs> pain relief substances um so i've learned i've just learned a lot he from my grew own life. weed folks i grew weed i did I, I did but but legitimately like when when i when i did it we were we were providing for the sort of the burgeoning medical dispensary business that did not have what it needed to get people what they needed um so you know i've i've done quite a bit and i've i've seen a lot of myself and i think what this really comes from is having dug deep into myself because like i said i don't i don't read your mind i'm just like you and i have i have looked more deeply into myself than i think many people look look into themselves and i and i'll share what i learned and sort of then invite people to do the same thing in themselves this this will be a different show but I want to have it. I want to do it. Bill? I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go back. <laughs> Dude, I am so Thanks glad so we did this. Yeah, another great discussion. And uh, again, you know, great program, uh, the Whole Life Challenge. And I certainly recommend everyone go uh, check it out. And, you know, I think it gives us all a great framework uh, for, you know, life improvement. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the other comments I'll make is that, you know, we think of, you know, the health uh, as sort of, uh, you know, uh, somehow a separate part of our life. You know, you're losing weight or you're improving your heart health or you're reversing your diabetes, whatever it might be from a health standpoint. And we sometimes fail to recognize that this is really overall life improvement. And I think that's what uh, Michael has done so well uh, with the whole life challenge because it really is about your whole life uh, and you're not isolating out these uh, these aspects uh, of it. You're really well, one looking of, at your whole life. Yeah, one of our one of our mottos very early on was don't try and put the whole life challenge into your life, right? Like don't try to put an extra thing into your life. Put your life into the whole life challenge, hmm. right? So like. What you want to do is not try and fit another three hours into your day. What you want to do is change how you look at the opportunities you have in your day, right? You're going to eat anyway. How, how are you going to approach that differently? Put your life into health and fitness. Don't try and put health and fitness into your life, not more things. Put your life into this new context. Um, and you'll, you'll, just, you'll see the opportunities. I mean, as trite as it seems, you'll take the stairs instead of the elevator. You'll walk instead of drive when you can. You'll skip the the handful of M and M's, you know, at the dentist's office. Um, yeah. you know, you'll you'll just that one. <laughs> you'll start to see a new like you know it's, it's like seeing through the matrix, right? You just start to see opportunities that were always there, but you were blind to them. Okay, so if uh, people want to stalk you on social media, is that an option that's available to them? I don't recommend it. Um, I I am not super active on social media. I'll tell you, it's one of my challenges because I don't have a very 
like a very strong, you must do this message. So I always have struggled with social media, but I am on, I am at whole life on Twitter. Um, and, uh, that's probably the best place to find me. My Instagram is just sort of a private friends and family thing. And, um, I haven't been on Facebook for years. So if you want to, if you want to hear what I have to say on the most regular basis possible at whole life on Twitter is where, is where I, uh, is where I talk most often at whole life on Twitter. All right. Well, God, I just, this is my, literally, these, these are always the highlight of my week, Phil. I just love that I get to do this. Um, but I guess we're done, at least for now. Christmas is in two days. Y'all are going to be listening to this. And about the time the whole life challenge starts, I wonder if we ought to try to scoot this one up so that people have more time to, to, uh, what, what did you say? January 21st? January 21st. And I would say if you want to time this just right, like 10 days before January 21st, because too early, people will just forget about it too soon, too close to it. And they'll go, uh, I'll do the next one. I don't have time. Um, All right. So you give them 10 day, 10 to 14 days and they go, oh, I want to do that. I can get ready. I can ask my, my this and my that. I'm going to make a note. And Phil, with your permission, we're, we're going to change yep. the, the publication date of this particular episode Perfect. Uh, to try to hit around the January 11th mark. And if somebody looks at this and says, hey, episode X came before episode, well, however, this would be wrong. That's why. All right. Well, I pre I really appreciate you guys inviting me on the show. This has been really fun. I'm I'm grateful that you gave me the opportunity to, to share all this with your audience. Is it cold in Texas? Uh, this week, yeah, we're going to get down to 15 degrees. Um, yeah. I know it's snow. I know it's snowing in Dallas today. We're a little too far south for snow, oh. but uh, but it is it is getting cold. I can remember, I used to live in Central Texas, and uh, I remember this time, 1980, I want to say it was probably 82, I was living in a, a mobile home, an old mobile home, and we had one of those blue northers come through that was, I think it got down to eight degrees overnight. Mm. I know we it was snow. 82 we, because we, my then wife was pregnant with our first child and she was, I could see my breath inside our home <laughs> and she's walking around in this flimsy little nightgown because she's six months pregnant and can't get cool. Can't get cold enough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We had snow uh, two years ago, but, but not, not since. All right. That I went way off track there. Hey, I want to invite everybody to uh, click that subscribe button. If you're listening on any of the podcast podcasts, platforms. If you're on YouTube, hey, do that as well. And go to Dr. Ovedia's site, ifixhearts.com. He's got a metabolic health quiz there that you can take. You don't have to tell anybody. Take it, get yourself a baseline, and it'll help you know what you need to, where you most need to get started. And uh, contact Dr. Ovedia if you want some uh, high-class professional help. And and go to, go to the wholelifechallenge.com. Um, and I would recommend you stalk Michael on Twitter too, but that's just because I'm like that. All right. I think we're done. We'll talk Another to you. Great next conversation. Time. Yeah. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.